Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, hey, what's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. Good to have you here with us today. We are on part three of this eight-part series with Brian Elaine. And Brian is on a quest to book his first paid speaking engagement. And uh, so if you have not, you definitely want to go back, listen to parts one and two. Uh, and this is going to be, this is a really fun series. So basically the idea here is people who are like yourself, perhaps, who are listening to the podcast, who have read the successful speaker, who uh, watched the YouTube videos, who are just following along with what we put out at the Speaker Lab. And are thinking like, yes, I can see how this makes sense, but does it work for me? In my situation, in my circumstance where I'm at in life, does it work for me? And Brian was exactly in those same shoes. Uh, and so we've been following along in this, this series and, and uh, doing a lot of coaching with him, just recording those, those coaching calls and letting you eavesdrop in on the process. So today we are forcing him to make a decision, pick a starting point. Do you know which route he's going to go? If you haven't listened to part two, go back, listen to that. We talked through a couple different options. Today, we're going to make a decision. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this, right? We're going to pick a starting point. We're going to start moving that direction. So uh, if you enjoy this, if you want myself and our team at The Speaker Lab to help you in your speaking journey, I would encourage you to go to thespeakerlab.com slash apply thespeakerlab.com slash apply. There you can schedule a one-on-one -on -one call with our team to learn more. That way we can learn more about you, where you're at, what you're looking for help with, how we can best serve and support you in accomplishing your speaking goals. So again, go to thespeakerlab.com slash apply. All right, let's get to part three with Brian Elaine. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast today. Joined once again by my buddy, Brian Elaine. And uh, we are on, we're on part three here. Uh, of this process, of this journey. Uh, people may be listening to this in, uh, just back to back to back and binging through it, but real time, this is over the course of, we're on like three weeks in, two weeks in, something like that. Yeah, there's basically been a week between each of the first two recordings. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, one of the things that we kind of left off with last time is that, all right, we had five different topics, five different audiences that you could be speaking to. Uh, even just kind of talking it through, we narrowed it down to, to two options. Um, I have no clue uh, what, what you have decided on. I know that you messaged me a couple days ago. Um, let me find uh, your message because it was quite entertaining to me. Uh, I know it was less entertaining to you. Uh, you texted me or you messaged me uh, two days ago. This has been one of the most stressful weeks of my pretty easy life. <laughs> So talk us through what had, before we get to kind of like, all right, here's kind of the, you know, the decision, the reveal, so to speak, uh, talk us through what has it been, what's the last week been like for you? Why has it been so stressful? Man, um, it has been really stressful, not in a life crisis, um, kind of way, you know, there's certainly have been other more stressful things in my life, but, and that's what was kind of puzzled me about it is that it seemed like a pretty easy decision. It seemed like a decision that could be a win either way. There was maybe no wrong answer. And yet I had so much trouble narrowing it down and, and picking one thing. And uh, I kind of sort of landed on a decision in the middle of the week. And that didn't really waver for the last few days. I've kind of stuck with it. But I definitely had this thought a few days ago, like, if I wasn't doing this project with Grant, if this was just me on my own trying to make this decision, I 100% know that I would not have made it this week, that I would have deferred it to next week. And then probably next week, I would have deferred it again. And then probably 10 years from now, I would still be deferring it. Like, right, right. It, it kind of dawned on me that for whatever it is, this, this, um, 
this focusing, this narrowing that needed to happen to pursue this angle, it just I kind of had this epiphany that I don't know that I was ever going to do it, which is the reason why, yeah, I had some speaking gigs eight, nine years ago and I enjoyed it. But once I kind of stopped pursuing those and once they stopped falling into my lap, then that was it. And that's why, even though I still kind of like doing it, I just haven't done it. And so, yeah, yeah I was having all this kind of existential uh, angst going on. And even after I kind of landed on one of these, was hoping that the heavens would part and it would feel like 100% yeah. made the right choice. Uh, I feel confident in what I've chosen, but it definitely didn't feel like that. So what have the last few days been, or even the, the past week been like in terms of how you've gone about evaluating the two options? And again, just to kind of recap, um, we had those five options, narrowed it down to uh, either speaking to uh, golf course owners uh, or golf course um, uh, professionals. professionals, yeah, or uh, the other option would be like emceeing uh, events and, and um, helping host events. And so um, again, pros and cons with both, but what are the kind of the pros and cons that you are weighing in your own mind to figure out which one made the most sense for you? I think the biggest one that I kept coming back to was that a potential business would look pretty different with each of those two directions because with emceeing and hosting, I felt like if I was going to go in that direction, much of the income would have to come from speaking, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Maybe I could, you know, write another humor book and have that as something that I would sell at events or try to, you know, build up my rapport and my branding as a funny guy. And, you know, I was really struggling to come up with other income streams. When I thought about the golf direction, it was almost the exact opposite where I almost feel like in order to go in that direction, I would have to get a better resume in terms of helping out even more clubs with social media, being more of a consultant, um, establishing establishing myself as more of an expert, which would then lead to more speaking gigs. So, you know, you could almost look at it as like, hey, if I go MC hosting, that's going to be like 95% speaking revenue probably. And if I go uh, golf direction, it could be as little as maybe 20% speaking revenue and 80% consulting and freelancing. Uh, and it could be more too, but it, that, the golf direction definitely gave me more of an option for off the stage income. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was the biggest disparity about which direction do I want to go? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And one of the, one of the great things is like, but what you just outlined there, it's not like, again, one is better or worse than the other because um, for someone listening who's going like, I want to be 95% speaking, then awesome. That w- that's going to simplify the choice versus someone else that says, ah, I'd rather do 20% speaking and do 80% of some of these other things. Like you mentioned, you know, uh, some freelance work or consulting or coaching or um, wh- whatever it may be. Uh, and so again, both are fine. That's one of the great things, again, about speaking and just entrepreneurship in general is you get to make the rules. Like you get to define like, this is what makes sense for me. And it doesn't have to make sense to anybody else. But until you're clear on here's what I'm looking for and here's how, um, here's how the rules, uh, how, here's how I define the rules of the game, then it makes a lot of the decision-making process a lot simpler. So I'm also curious, all right, so the past week, um, what has the process looked like for you? Meaning like, all right, I got it narrowed down to two. Um, are, you, uh, are you writing it out? Are you writing, making a pros and cons list? Are you just walking around thinking about it? Are you flipping a coin? Are you talking to other people? Like what, what do you do to arrive at like, all right, here's, I, I feel good. Let's move forward with this. Uh, talking to other people was definitely one of the top things on my list. Um, I mentioned in the last episode, bouncing some things off my wife. I definitely continued to do that this week and uh, brought a couple other friends into the conversation and let them know. A couple of my friends who are really into golf as well also have some friends who do some emceeing and hosting. And so it was kind of good to get their feedback that definitely factored in to my decision. I was writing things down as well, um, particularly the negative voices in my head, some of the things they were telling me. And I, it's funny, I think the thing that stressed me out the most was that with each of these directions, I would kind of think about the next step and then the next step and then the next step. And then suddenly I'd be in this daydream where I'm 40 steps ahead and I'm stressing out about, you know, step 41. And then I would kind of come back to reality and be like, oh, wait, 
on, you know, by the time Grant and I record this next episode, all I'm doing is making a decision. It's like step zero. It's not, <laughs> I don't need to worry about step 36. Yeah. Um, but you know, the voices were, were every, you know, with that, with either of those things, the voices were like, um, your resume is not good enough. Um, there are more people, uh, doing this than you think. There are better people than you think, people who love it more, people who are better at it, people with bigger platforms. Um, all of those things were kind of coming in and I was trying to capture them um, because I know that it's, it's negativity and it's uh, not necessarily true stuff or even if some of the stuff is true, it really shouldn't be that much of a factor for me. So that's the kind of stuff I was battling this week. So even at this point where you feel like, all right, I've, I've, I've made a decision um, to go one direction or the other. Do you feel 100% confident or do you feel like it doesn't matter what I picked? I'm never going to feel 100% confident. Yeah, you told me last week the goal was to try to get to 95%. <laughs> and I think I'm at 85. But um, <laughs> it's good. But I feel, yeah, I feel like that's as far as it's going to go. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Um, and, I, and I don't know why. I don't know why I couldn't get to 100%. Yeah. I don't I think there's a part of it that well, if I choose A, then what if B would have been an easier path to success or what if B would have been more lucrative or what if B would have been more fun? You know, if I choose A and I fail or it doesn't go as well as I hoped, well who are the other people in the A sphere who are going to then judge me? And um, which, you know, if I was coaching or consulting somebody, I would tell them, don't, don't worry about that. Like, don't listen right. to the critics and all that stuff. And yet it's, it's a factor for me. So I would say 85% is kind of where I landed. Is there anything that would need to happen? Um, or for you to feel like, yeah, I'm in, this is it. I know where I'm going and I feel hundred percent confident, uh, or just a higher level of confidence. Um, again, 85% is golden. We'll take that and we can work with that. But is, is there anything that would need to happen for you to feel like, yeah, no doubt, I'm good. I know, I, I know this is the route. Um, I mean, I'm thinking kind of ahead of, depending on what the next month, three months, six months look like, maybe then I will feel the validation that I, with the choice that I made. In terms of in the moment right now, if I tell you what I chose and you say to me, that's exactly what I wanted you to choose, which I don't expect you to do because you already told me that you don't, you, you told me you didn't have a favorite, that both were good choices. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but outside of you telling me that uh, I've chosen well, I don't know if that 85% number is going to go up. Okay, but why does it make any difference what I think, right? Because at the end of the day, like I'm just giving my two cents and you're the one that has to go execute on it, right? Whether it's myself or anybody, right? right. So um, looking for the validation or the approval of um, you know, uh, a coach or a mentor or a spouse or a friend or a colleague or whoever, at the end of the day, like it's up to you, you know, like I'm going to give you, here's my two cents, but you got to be the one that's excited about it and jacked up about it and are going to go actually do the work. Yeah. And that's, I a hundred percent believe that, but at the same time, and I think maybe some of the listeners are thinking this too, like you are the one who has done this for a decade you are the one who has booked, you know, four or 500 events over the years, seven figure business. You've seen a lot of success. You've seen a lot of people fail. You've seen a lot of other people succeed. You've seen people speak in all different spheres. So you definitely are an authority on this. And um, maybe from your perspective, it's like, listen, your success or failure has nothing to do with my opinion of this choice that you're making. But from my seat, it feels like it almost feels like, you know, you blessing my choice is going to give me some kind of momentum. And even some, at some points this week, I thought, gosh, if somebody just breaks into my house tonight and puts a gun to my head and says, choose A over B or B over A, well, at least then I'll have the decision made and I won't have to, to make this decision anymore. Somebody will do it for me. <laughs> So, all right. Yeah. So at this point, we've kind of, we're, we're, we're building up some anticipation and drama here of how this is going to actually play out. And again, um, we have not talked ahead of time about this. Um, I legit have no idea which route you're going to go. A couple of things you've said make me think one route versus the other. Um, but I honestly, I have no clue and I'm, uh, I go ahead and bless you either way. So, uh, which, which route did you finally land on? 
Um, I do. I, I am curious to know. Yeah, give me a drum roll here. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I decided to focus my efforts to try to book some paid speaking gigs in the direction of golf course owners and golf professionals. Love it. It feels like you're announcing a college, right? Or uh, I'm just Let me put the hat on that. Yeah. to South Beach. And <laughs> that's awesome. All right. So golf course owners, golf course professionals. Now, again, we, we touched on this last episode um, about just your personal love of golf, your interest in golf. Um, it's more than just kind of a, a weekend hobby. It's something like you are deeply into. You run a podcast about golf. You have some connections in the golf industry. Um, you also are doing like the social media stuff for a local course there and helping do some consulting with them. So there's a lot of things that, you know, work in your favor as it relates to golf. Um, all right. So again, this is brand new to me. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I love the choice. I'm su like, legit, super excited about that. And part of the okay. reason again is, um, is, is again, you're not saying like, I want to speak to, um, you know, uh, all athletes everywhere or all anybody in sports I want to speak to, right? Like we found a very small niche group of people, golf course owners, golf course professionals, those in the golf course industry, right? That's a, that's a, um, a small group of people in a, in a big sea of sports and humanity, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, that's, that's one of the things I really, really like about it. Um, I like that you've got some experience there. Um, I, you know, I, the other thing that I'm excited about and one of the things that, uh, you know, we've kind of touched on is I don't claim to know everything about every possible industry. I have zero clue what golf industry events exist. Um, but I know how to, well, I know how we're going to figure it out and I know what we're going to be looking for. Um, and so that we can, um, we, we got, we got some work to do. So I'm excited about that. So talk us through, um, golf course professionals, golf, uh, golf course owners, golf industry people. Um, how did you land on that and why is, why is that the path? Yeah, I think I tried to write down my, my five biggest reasons and here they are. Number one, input from friends. Um, nobody talk, tried to talk me out of that direction. I think everybody thought it was a, a pretty good idea. Everybody knew that um, my second point, which is it, it's my biggest passion basically. And yeah. that was something that everybody kind of knew. Um, you know, I have a really good buddy who does some emceeing and hosting and he was leaning towards the golf thing for me. Oh which, yeah. Interesting. Um, so that, that carried a little bit of weight as well. Why did he um, recommend that? I think because he, well, he, he's trying to do less emceeing and hosting, so he might not actually enjoy it as much as I may enjoy it. And I definitely yeah. factored that in, but he knows my passion for golf and he knows how much I love it. And I think that's why he kind of leaned that direction. Cool. Um, the third reason was that it, it feels like it's building on something that I'm currently doing. Um, and while the voices were telling me, you only help one club. You, you know, you, there's people who love golf more than you. There's people who know more about golf than you. There's people who know more about marketing than you. You're like nothing in this sea of people trying to do this. Despite those voices, I felt like, well, at least I have started doing this and I've had some success. So that was one of them. Uh, reason number four was again, that idea of the off the stage income potential. Mm -hmm. um, while I think, well, I know I'm going to try very hard to book some gigs, it feels good to me to know that there are other income streams out there that I could potentially do. Um, and I think the, and, and kind of alongside of that, even with the speaking gigs themselves, you had mentioned on our last call that emceeing and hosting might not be quite as lucrative on a per gig basis than some other speaking opportunities, sure. at least when you break it down hourly, because a lot of times you're there for a full day or two or three days. Yep. Um, so that was a, that was a small factor as well. Not a big one. The last one was that I feel like making this choice doesn't preclude me from choosing the other thing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I see a, a lot of the research I did on other hosts. It seems like they are also, they're not just MCs, but they're keynoters as well. And sure. I think a lot of them, maybe even more of their business comes from keynoting. So I felt like if I could get more experience speaking, to these golf professionals, 
then eventually I'd kind of be building up a demo reel and experience that could lend me to add kind of a hosting wing possibly cool. down the road. Cool. I love it. There's several things there that you, you mentioned I want to touch on. One was just the imposter syndrome that you feel of there's, there's other people that know more about this and who am I to do this? And the reality is that that's always going to be the case, you know, and one of the things that we've kind of touched on is that, uh, that viewing someone as an expert is oftentimes found in the eye of the beholder. And so for example, um, I know that you love golf. I've recently gotten into back into golf, um, in part because of you. And so I can think of numerous questions that I have come to you on about, Hey, what we were talking the other day about what kind of golf ball do you use and why? And tell me the differences. And you rattled off all these different differences. Hey, I'm interested in possibly getting a golf simulator. What do you recommend? Yeah, I'd look at this one and this one and this one. I'm interested in possibly doing golf lessons. Where should I go? I'm interested in different. I did a driver fitting last year that you and I talked about. Like Mm -hmm. all these things, like I've gone to you on. Now, you may be like, I mean, I know something about golf balls, but I don't know nearly as much as fill in the blank person, right? But I'm not going to fill in the blank person. Like I'm coming to you. So I view you as this authority. I view you as the, this expert. So there's a, in any space and in any industry, you're always going to be, there's always going to be people who know more about that subject or topic than you. And that's okay. That's totally fine. Um, so do, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about that. Um, cause I think you've got a, I think you've got a lot of credibility here. Um, okay. that, that you, you bring to the table. Um, does that make sense? That totally makes sense. Yep. Cool. Um, the other thing, what was the last point you mentioned? Um, about this choice, not precluding me from doing hosting down the road. Yeah, correct. Correct. Um, meaning that, yeah, like emceeing hosting are things that you could do. There's not a lot of speakers. I know that like a hundred percent all exclusive. That's the only thing that I do is MC. So it's just kind of a, um, another th- option that you could offer to potential events. So it's certainly something you could do like in, you know, even in the golf space is emceeing an event. Um, that's certainly a, a possibility. But the other thing too, that, that I was going to kind of touch on there is choosing one option doesn't uh, entirely forever eliminate the other option, you know? So if you get into the golf thing and you're like, man, I, I just want golf to be fun for me. And now it's part of my work. And so I don't enjoy it as much. And so I'm, I'm thinking about pivoting and going a different direction. We have not burned the boats on, on, uh, emceeing or doing anything else speaking related. Right. So like we talked about, this isn't a permanent decision. So, um, if you get, uh, X number of months or years down the road and you pivot to do something else, I'm totally good with that because the reason is, like, I know you mentioned you were worried about, well, what, won't I have wasted all this time or, you know, the, um, the opportunity cost of what if I had done, if I had gone the MC route or if I had gone any other route, you know, where would I have, where would I be? And the reality is like, you don't know. And it's, it's hard to play the what if game. Uh, but the other part is like, you, you went down a path that you thought was going to be it and it wasn't it. And so now you're one step closer to figuring out what is it. You know, you've ruled out something that you thought was a viable option and you know that that's no longer an option. So, um, so to me, like we're, like we're making big progress. We're making an educated guess on, yeah, uh, let's go the golf course route. Um, and again, because of my own personal love and interest of golf, um, I'm super excited about this. So I'm excited to see, see where this goes. So how, how, do, how do you feel? I feel good. And, and I actually wanted to mention two more kind of negatives or things the voices were telling me because I, I think one or both of these might be something you come across as well working with other people. The first one was, oh, well, golf is just an eight month sport for you in the mid Atlantic. So you don't, you maybe don't even live in the if, right if that, place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was one pushback I was getting. The other one was that, oh, there's rumors that a recession is coming. This is, this is the worst time to get into doing anything with golf, with recreational income, even, even trying to go a new direction with your business. You don't do that during a recession. Now, I, I, have, I know nothing about economics. And so I've heard three people say the word recession. And all of a sudden now this becomes a reason for me not to do something. Yeah. Are there yeah. anything to say on either of those? Yeah, a couple thoughts. Uh, one would be that... Um, there's always going to be like highs and lows in the marketplace. Right. Um, and so there are, um, always going to, um, like if you wait for the timing to be perfect, you'll never do anything. When's mm-hmm. the best time to start a business? When's the best time to move? When's the best time to get married? When's the best time to start a family? Like when's the best time to leave your job? There's just not a perfect time. You know, there may feel like some t- like hindsight, there may feel like some opportunities or some timing, uh, 
uh, sometimes is better than others, but like there's never going to be a perfect time. Um, when I got started speaking, it was in like 2008, 2009, and it was like in the thick of the recession. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, going to the, the National Speakers Association, the National Convention, and it, it felt very much doom and gloom, like speakers who had been killing it all of a sudden aren't, aren't killing it. Um, and so um, that's going to be the case in any business, you know, like sure a recession could hit a recession could, if a recession hits, it's going to affect any speaker. It's going to affect any business to some degree, you know? So I don't, I don't want to make, um, I don't want to make a decision playing defense, you know, of just like playing the what if game of, um, what if we, what if global warming continues to be an issue and therefore grass burns up and golf courses go away? Like, I don't know. I guess it could happen, but most likely I think the golf course and the golf courses are going to be around for a while, you know? Yeah. And um, my way to even spin on that one was like, well, what if, what if the obstacle is the opportunity? What if in a recession yep. golf course owners are looking for smarter and better ways to market? Maybe that would be a specific way I could help. Yeah, absolutely. That's the other thing I was going to say was like, at that point, they need people to come out to the core. So if you can help, if you can teach them on how to exactly do that, that can be that can be an absolute huge win for for everybody. And uh, you're you're showing them how to keep their their business afloat. So um, yeah, I, that that's not a concern at all. Alone. Okay. Yeah. So I feel, like I said, I'm 85%, maybe I'm 86% now because you- Okay, okay, 86%, we picked up a percent, well, picked so. up a point, that's good. So now um, I know that the two things that I was considering the most with this decision were which audience am I going to speak to and what problem am I going to help solve? And I kind of narrowed that down to make this choice. So I don't know going forward if my next step is to really get that concrete or if we've done that enough and we need to start looking further down the road, the big questions I have are like um, around branding and am I branding myself or am I branding sort of a golf marketing business of which I run and I speak out of that? Yep. Um, I think, and kind of in along those lines, like website, uh, obviously, I have one for myself, uh, social media accounts. Um, I have some ones I've put a lot of time and energy into for myself. Kind of the branding, I guess, is the biggest thing that I'm thinking of. Is, is that too far ahead, though? No, not at all. And so let's walk through um, that speaker success roadmap um, that we teach, the SPEAK, Speak Framework. And so the first part, S, is selecting a problem to solve. So we know who you want to speak to, what you want to speak about. So for you, you want to speak to, again, golf course owners, golf course professionals uh, about um, from a marketing perspective, right? So talk us through on the, the, that problem side. What do you feel like, um, is the problem that you're going to solve for golf course owners and golf course professionals? Put me on the spot here. Um, I know just from the dealings that I've had with my own club, uh, and helping them, you know, number one is get the T-sheet more full, Mm -hmm. More, more people paying greens fees, more people at the course, uh, I think that's probably the main problem because, you know, business is a business needs to make money. I think a secondary concern or a secondary benefit for them was wanting to see more engagement, more community built around their brand as a golf course, um, more people interacting, more people opening emails, more people engaging with social media posts and just kind of having their golf course be top of mind so that when somebody does get the urge to play, you know, they remember that fun little quiz that the golf course had on Facebook yesterday and that sort of thing. Okay. So ultimately for you, the goal is to help, um, golf course owners, especially just, to uh, have more, bring more golfers to the, to the course. I think that's right. Yeah. Okay. Are there other, um, and again, we don't have to, we don't have to get in the weeds on this, but are there other ancillary, um, for those who aren't a golf course owner, but like you mentioned, golf course professionals or those that are in the golfing industry, um, is there anything you're thinking about with them? Well, I've had a hard time kind of nailing, nailing this down a little bit, but I definitely, there's a sense that golf is a dying game. Um, you know, there are all these grow the game initiatives, uh, whether it's from the PGA tour, whether it's from the USGA and, you know, getting young people into golf and 
and all that sort of thing. That's definitely out there. And while I think some of those things are a little overwrought, I do feel like I believe golf is the greatest game. And so, you know, and as my son, even as a 16 year old gets into it more and more, I just love that. So I feel like there's a way for me, I have a lot of passion for golf and just to be excited about golf, to let other people know that it's okay to get excited about golf. This is the best game out there. Let's put that out there. Um, I don't know exactly how that fits into it, but I feel like in terms of my branding, um, you know, I've just kind of been thinking about that. And so, um, nothing concrete yet, but I would, I would love to be known as, Oh, there's nobody more excited about the game of golf than Brian Elaine. Um, you know, and that's maybe more on the branding side than on the problem solving side. Yeah. And so to that point, um, it sounds like the, the main thing to start with is the, um, uh, is helping golf course owners just again, bring more golfers to their, to their course, right. And to book more tee times. Uh, and so that's the ultimate problem that we're going, we're going to start with. But again, it's also like, here's some kind of like, here's some big picture things I'm just kind of loosely aware of, and I'm not sure how it would fit in or what it would look like. So some of that you'll start to figure out more as you get into the weeds of this, as you get into the weeds of the research, as you get into the weeds of uh, attending events and speaking at events and realizing, wow, I I noticed here's a common theme at all these events is they're looking for this. And that's something else that I could help with. Um, so there's certainly opportunities for, um, to be able to do that. Um, does that make sense? That does. And, and I'm wondering, because it's sort of a marketing-based idea, how much can I draw from marketing in other sectors and to know that, oh yeah, this, guy's a, this guy talks about real estate marketing. Well, just knowing like how much of it is excitement, how much of it is data, how much, how, what kind of a resume do you need to have? Why are people going to bring you in? Do you think I can I can kind of follow the lead and see what's happening in other sectors? Um, as far as I guess I think I'm confused. So the um, not necessarily like hey I have a, a ton of marketing experience in all these other areas, um, and so using that in the golf world, but more of like here's what someone's doing in some of these other spaces and using that to teach marketing for golf course owners. Well, I'm not thinking in terms of the content and what I'm teaching, I'm thinking more on the booking side. Like what is going to get somebody to book me and bring me in? You know, why do, why does the real estate conference hire that real estate marketing guy? Is it because his sales are off the charts? Is it because he just had the best pitch email? Is it because he brings excitement like nobody else does? Like in wanting to know how I should position myself and what I should focus on. That's kind yep. of what I was wondering. Got it. Okay, cool. And we'll, let's, um, we'll get to that. Um, okay. uh, and so what we basically would do from this point is, uh, again, a S-P-E-A-K, S, selecting a problem to solve. Uh, here's who I speak to. Here's the problem that I solve for them. Okay, feel pretty good on that. Um, and again, it doesn't, we're not looking for like perfection here. Just, all right, I feel a general direction that we're going to go. Perfect. Uh, the P is then prepare your talk. And so for this, um, we're not going to get too deep in the weeds on this, but one of the things that we'll, we'll start to kind of figure out is what are the opportunities for speaking in the golf industry? Are there opportunities for keynotes or is it more of workshops and breakouts? Is it going to be more like seminar type format? Um, uh, what are the opportunities that may exist? Um, so that's going to be something that we, um, that we're not going to, again, dig a ton into, but we'll kind of flesh itself out as we, uh, as we do some of the research there. So the next part is some of what you're asking about is establishing your expertise, right? And so the two core pieces for this are going to be a website and a video, website and demo video. Now, um, you can, uh, and we'll, we may touch on this if we got some time, but um, you can start reaching out to, to uh, contacts that you already have who may be interested in hiring you to come speak or do something with them um, if it's built on an existing relationship, meaning that most, um, most groups that you're going to start trying to get in with, they don't know who you are. They're not familiar with you. And so they're going to want to see a website. They're going to want to see a demo video in order to have some level of credibility there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, for example, your local club um, that you work at, that you help with, uh, 
they might be willing to hire you for something or they might be able to refer you for something. And that referral, that um, their putting their stamp of approval on you is good enough, right? For, for some other potential, either golf course clubs or, or uh, golf courses or um, golf course uh, owners. So, um, but the website and the video are the two things that will be important. Now, one of the things that you touched on is you already have a website. Um, and my assumption is that the website that you already have is built more around your writing and um, probably non-golf related stuff. Would that be accurate? Pretty much, yeah. It does pull in, it pulls in my, go- my golf podcast feed, uh, which is not really a golf marketing podcast. It's just about how much I love golf, how much I play, how much I watch. And there is uh, like a resume on there for some of the marketing work I do outside the golf industry. But yeah, it is definitely not golf marketing specific by any stretch. Okay. So then um, uh, what's the domain on that one? That would be brianalane.com. Okay. So then this comes back to, I think, your question of, do I want to position this as a company that Brian is a speaker on behalf of, or do I want to position myself as the, um, as the brand, as the product? There's pros and cons both ways. I find that most speakers um, are, and again, if you're wanting to do primarily speaking, you're positioning yourself more along the lines of you are the product, you are the brand, you are what people are are hiring. Now, if you say, hey, long term, I want to do more consulting, um, then you may position yourself more as a, um, as a company, as a brand that you are speaking on behalf of or consulting on behalf of. So uh, a golf course uh, isn't hiring Brian Elaine to come in and speak or consult. They are hiring, you know, golf marketing gurus.com to come in. You know what I mean? Um, right. So again, pros and cons both ways. Um, do you have an initial, some of it is just a preference. Um, so for example, for me within the, what we do within the speaker lab, right? Um, if someone comes to me and says, Grant, I'm interested in hiring you as a speaker, then I typically would direct them to grantbaldwin.com. Here's where you can hire Grant to come in and speak. That's what you're hiring. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas if someone says, hey, I'm interested in, in learning more about uh, becoming a speaker, uh, same kind of conversations we're having right now, I direct them to the speaker lab. And Grant is uh, a face of the speaker lab. He's a part of the speaker lab. He's a coach of the speaker lab, but he's one piece of the speaker lab, right? And so I want the speaker lab to be bigger than Grant. And so I'm very intentional to um, set it up that way and to make a lot of the decisions that we make that way. So then for you, um, again, we can dig into like the specifics of why this makes more sense than other than something else. Um, which route feels like it might make the most sense for you? I think I'm leaning towards not having brianalane.com be the hub. I think I'm leaning towards having some kind of maybe DBA uh, okay. doing business as golf marketing company. I think there could be plenty of synergy between that website and my personal website for sure. But I think as I think about what this would look like, I think being able to point somebody to a golfy website name, you know, a golfy, a golfy company name uh, is the direction I'm leaning. Okay, cool. Um, You got any initial ideas? I don't. I've, I've spitballed on a couple, but they are, they are so fresh that I'm not even willing to talk about them. On here <laughs> okay. All right. You want the paint to dry a little bit more before the, a, a little the bit. Um, and, and this is something we can talk about in the future too, but I'm wondering your perspective on somebody wanting to come in and be a little bit more of a disruptor or even not a disruptor. That might be too harsh, but somebody who stands out uh, as different um, in a crowd, you know, for instance, if I, was a guy who spoke in t-shirts and a golf hat versus the way every other speaker looks, um, you know, making that kind of part of your brand because you maybe you think golf might be a little bit too stuffy and that might be part of the reason why people aren't getting as excited about it as they should. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, so I've even been thinking about that in terms of the name potentially of my business. Do you think that's 
an okay direction to think about? You can, yeah. Um, so as it relates to, let's, let's take that example of what you would wear or how you would visually look um, in terms of like a, a way to kind of differentiate yourself from every other khaki wearing, polo wearing, you know, golfer that exists, right? Um, there's, there's pros and cons and there's trade-offs with it. Okay. So for example, um, there's a speaker friend of mine we've had on the podcast, Brian Fanzo and look up Brian, um, at Fanzo F A N Z O. And Brian is a guy, uh, he speaks about millennials and kind of connecting the generations, uh, of millennials coming into the workforce. And so when he gets on stage, he looks like a stereotypical millennial and he, um, almost always wears a hat, uh, a baseball hat. He wears, um, bright, bold, um, sneakers, and he is very intentional about this. And so there are going to be organizations, conferences, groups that hire Brian because they're like, yeah, he stands out. That's different, right? And there's going to be organizations that are like, I don't know that we want to take that risk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and both are fine, right? Um, I know uh, of a speaker, a speaker friend of mine that uh, he does a lot in the education space. And um, he... Uh, has lots of tattoos. He looks like this Harley riding beast of a dude. Um, he's known to swear every so often while doing a school assembly for high school students or for college kids. Uh, and some schools are like, yeah, I like that. Let's roll the dice. I- I'm good with that. And some are like, nope, not going to take that risk. Mm-hmm. Um, when someone hires Grant to speak, me, I'm a very safe vanilla choice, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And that's okay. And, and so there's going to be times where being the safe vanilla choice gets you a gig and times where being the safe vanilla choice does not get you a gig, right? And so again, pros and cons to both. Um, okay. I'm not saying like you, you, have to, you have to do this versus that. You just have to recognize like, okay, if I go this route, um, it's, it, it could potentially ruffle some feathers and I got to be cool with that, you know? Um, so the other part of it, I would say, is, is some of this is um, uh, you don't know until you get out into the marketplace. Um, so would I recommend like, okay, hey, I want to do something dramatically different on the first gig I book? Probably not. Um, I'd probably do... Um, uh, I'd probably do what you're kind of what you're comfortable with that you feel like all right this works this is a way just to kind of practice um, and then start to kind of okay now I'm gonna try I'm gonna try this just different thing and just see how see uh, how it works see how it goes because um, the other thing too remember is that event planners they're in the risk mitigation business so anytime that they are putting you up on stage uh, they are taking a risk like this person is representing us and so uh, I want. Uh, the, I want the person that hired me to be the hero after I get done speaking. I want everyone else to be like, where'd you find this guy? This guy was awesome. This is perfect. This is exactly what you need. You did a great job versus like, yeah, we're never trusting you to make a speaker decision again. That was a horrible selection, right? So you are in the, you are, they are in the risk mitigation business. And so you want to, um, um, you want to make that event planner look good. And so until you like for both of those examples I just gave with those guys, uh, you know, the, the biker tatted up swearing speaker or the stereotypical millennial at this point, both of those guys, like that's their brand. That's they uh, organizations and groups who are hiring them. They know what they're getting. And um, that's, that's part of the reason that they hire them. Right. Um, so at this point, you're just trying to figure out like what the options and opportunities are that might that might make sense. And I think the reason this is relevant to me is because as I was kind of committing to doing this this past week, I had this moment as I was doing a little bit of research and seeing other speakers and videos and whatnot it, with their collared shirts and their ties and their khakis with the pleats. And I started to get this feeling like, do I really want to be another just another one of these golf voices doing this and like I don't know that I'd fit in in this group but then I had this thought well well, nobody's saying that you have to do it exactly like them and like because I I want ultimately I want to be authentically me you know you we've already talked on this podcast and a a previous episode about kind of being your authentic self but maybe being just a little amplified version of it and so that actually got me excited then the thought of like not necessarily t-shirts and hat and not all about the clothes, but just kind of about the branding, about the feel, about being able to be authentically me, whether it was on stage or at a networking event. I kind of like that. So as I was thinking about my branding and my presentation, 
that got me excited. Whereas fitting in with everybody else seemed kind of a little bit like a drag. Yeah. And so, um, another idea that kind of came to mind on this as you were, as you were talking was, um, thinking about like, even in the golf industry, again, like you and I watch golf, we are professional. We, we're not professional golfers. We watch <laughs> professional golf. Yes. Um, and so even within that, like golf has a certain, um, reverence to it, a certain respect level, but it also comes across as like, um, um, elitist and um, stuffy and old school and that type of vibe. And so think about like um, players today and some of the things that they do just in terms of, let's let's just take um, uh, how they dress as an example. Like I can think of a couple of players and they are adhering to the respect level of golf by wearing, you know, the quote unquote polo and it's tucked in. But um, I think of like, a Ricky Fowler wearing all that all orange outfit, right? Or Tiger wearing his Sunday red, you know, or like a John Daly wearing like these floral crazy shirts um, or crazy pants or um, uh, a Bryson or like an old school Payne Stewart wearing the, um, the, like the newsies looking hat, you know? So like some of these things are like, here's some things like some, some, some players today have done to, stand out and be slightly different in a world what we're still adhering to like a certain level of respect and, and honor of the, of the game, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's again, just a couple of thoughts that came to mind on that. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's happening not just with the players, but with media as well. Uh, no laying up as a company is doing amazing yep. things and they're kind of um, going against norms and George Gankis is like one of the hottest yes. instructors right now. And he does, does things differently. So I do see other people kind of doing that. Yep, absolutely. Um, and yeah, Gankis is a good example of um, uh, just Southern California um, surfer dude um, with the ball cap and, and, and it doesn't feel like um, flippant. Like you can tell he loves the game and mm-hmm. he loves um, the, the golf swing and is methodical about it. Right. Um, or even like one of his, his proteges, Matthew Wolf, who has a very unorthodox swing, mm-hmm. still doing the same thing of trying to get the ball from the tee to the green and in the hole and as few shots as possible, but he's going about it in a different kind of way that stands out and gets people talking. So again, I think all that to say, like, um, and any non-golfers right now are like, I have no <laughs> clue what the yeah. crap these guys are talking about right now. So hang with us, hang with us. Um, but all that to say, like, you can still, again, do, like, have kind of a disrupting voice um, and do it in the, you know, in that world that is still maintains a level of respect for it, you know. Um, and I'm not saying, like, hey, I'm trying to figure out how to be super disrespectful just to stand out, just for the sake of standing out. Um, so yeah, I think you can you can absolutely do that. Some of it again is just like is starting to get into the pool and then figure out like what you know what's working here and what's not. Okay, so I think we've got a few weeks until we jump back on our next call. I need to know. There's so much, and I, I don't want to get overwhelmed with step two and step twenty and step forty two. So. What are the things I should be working on in the next couple of weeks? Yep. So uh, what I would say would be a, a few things. One was going to be, again, going back to website and demo video. Um, uh, you have a website, but it's not golfer related. Do you have, um, um, what are your web design ability skills? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in the category of I know just enough to be dangerous. That's um, perfect. That's all we I've need built, right now. I've built plenty of WordPress sites for myself and other people. Okay. That's currently what mine is. Okay, cool. Um, and so if you know just enough, that's fine. We can make that work, right? So again, we're not looking for like, hey, here's the world's greatest um, web designer. And I, that happens to be me. Um, that's, not, that's not at all what we're going for here. Because the other thing too is remember, um, we're making version 1.0 of a website here. So you're going to make different and better websites in the future. So you want this to be good. You want this to be sharp. You want it to be done with excellence, but um, it's not the only website that you're ever going to have. Make sense? Um, yes. You feel hesitant on that? Well, yes. I just, I got one on a train of thought just about if we do go the direction of branding, are we talking about branding, rebranding com for now and then worrying about the name of a, of a bigger marketing company later? Um, you could do that. Um, or you could, again, you could go the, um, 
the, the company route from the beginning. Um, okay. That, that's fine too. So, yeah, I mean, I could do that. That would just mean I would kind of need to settle. Obviously, I could change the name if I wanted to, but you'd think totally. step one would be to settle on a name. Yeah. Um, so, like when I got started teaching speaking, it was just kind of under grants thing. And then it's like, okay, we get, we got some traction here. Now let's, let's kind of pivot it to the speaker lab and something that is beyond just grant. So yeah, like what you just described there, if you said, Hey, I want to do, I want to come up with a company name and do the company route from day one. Awesome. If you said, Hey, I'm going to do, I'm going to go with Brian Elaine for uh, a year or six months and, and just kind of get some momentum and then pivot. That's fine too. So I don't know that again, there's not necessarily one that's better than, than the other. And the goal with the website is I need a place for future conversations to tell people, oh, you want to check out more? This is where you go, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, because uh, in this day and age, if you don't have a website, people don't take you seriously, right? Because they don't know anything about you. And so they're just looking up to see who is this guy. And so what this, what the website's going to be is at this moment, it's... it's um, primarily going to be about speaking, but I think you could also touch on some of the consulting stuff. Um, and so there's a few different components that are, um, inside the course, which I, which I know you already have access to, so we can, we can touch on that a little bit too, but some key components are going to be, um, again, the demo video, which we'll come back to in just a second. Um, the, uh, some, some speaking pictures, ideally, um, which we'll come back to as well. Um, a list of topics of here's some, a couple of things that you speak about and here's how you're helping. Um, here's, here's why a golf course company or golf course owners should consider you. Uh, another one's going to be some testimonials, especially from like this club that you're working with now and any other, um, golf industry professionals, because again, it doesn't necessarily have to be at this point, um, someone who has seen you speak or someone that's hired you to speak because that resume is limited. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you mentioned like you've just, you've got some connections in the golfing space. So if you had someone who said, um, this isn't a direct quote, but just the, the kind of the general idea of like, I've never seen Brian speak, but this guy really knows a lot about golf. You know, what I mean? that's what we're, that's the other thing we're trying to, to demonstrate and show is, um, he, we're hiring an expert who happens to be a speaker. Uh, and that's part of what you're positioning yourself as. Um, and then, um, so testimonials, case studies, anything along those lines, especially as it relates to like the, um, the speaking that you're doing for, or the work that you've done with this club. If you're able to, if you're able to get like a, a real legit case study from them and they've said, Hey, since hiring Brian, we've seen, you know, um, uh, our tea times increase by 20% or whatever, that is extremely powerful. That is extremely effective. Um, because the other thing too that you can show with your work is there's a real direct ROI. Mm-hmm. You come in and you hire Brian for X and he gets you a hundred more greens fees in the next month, that way more than pays for Brian, right? Yeah. Um, and I, we do the exact same thing with speakers. If we can help you get one, maybe two speaking gigs and that more than pays for what you invested, that's a win. And everything else beyond that is icing on the cake, you know? Um, so same, same type of approach there. So, uh, once you begin thinking about the website, um, and then let's talk about the, the demo video here and speaking pictures. What I would like you to do is again, you've already got some contacts. I'd like you to see if you could book something free, um, in the next I don't know, within the next uh, ideally month or two, uh, if possible. And so uh, what I would do is I would check with your, um, I'd start with your local course and any other, um, uh, I'd check with your local course of anything that they do or that they're involved in that potentially you could speak at. Maybe it's just something for members and it's talking, what if you did something um, for them where they hosted members and you you did a marketing talk for how, um, how they can use marketing in their own businesses, um, you know, just as a, as a benefit to course members and club members, here's something that they're doing, right? This isn't like the long term for everything you're going to do. It's just like, I'm just trying to get an at bat. Um, and that's, that's what we're going for. I would check with, um, you know, your contact at the course to see what are the other, um, organizations, groups, gatherings, events, um, with, it feels like we're coming up on the end of golf season. So therefore there may be more things happening in the off season, so to speak, mm-hmm. that um, may present some opportunities. So you're looking for um, 
some type of something that you could speak at to start to get some to get some footage and to get some pictures um, okay. would be a, a, a really good next step. Um, I mentioned in previous episodes that I occasionally will be on stage at church. We meet in a large high school auditorium. Um, in fact, I'm doing something this Sunday. So if I, we occasionally have some people taking photos and stuff, I could I could definitely talk to the photographer and be like, hey, can you make sure uh, yes. when I'm up there for a few minutes to get, get some pictures? Yep, you can certainly do that. Um, the only caveat I would give you is remember that when people are watching uh, a demo video or they're looking at pictures, they are thinking about, um, is this the setting where I would have this, this person come speak? Okay? okay, so what I mean by that is... Um, there was a speaker I talked to recently um, who they were trying to get hired to speak at corporate events uh, and their demo video had footage of them speaking at an elementary school and then at some type of graduation. I don't know if it was a high school graduation or college graduation, but there was a disconnect, right? Of I'm considering hiring you to do this, but the social proof that I've seen for you is in a totally different world, right? So a church is kind of a gray area depending on the setting. Mm -hmm. If it is, if the pictures or the video is, it makes it very clear that this isn't a church. There's um, uh, a cross in the background, um, something to that effect that makes it very clear, like, "Mm, that's not exactly what we're hiring him to do. Um, Then again, there's, there's a disconnect. Now, again, you can still use those. You can use my very first demo video was speaking to a local church youth group. I wasn't trying to get booked to speak at local church youth groups, but it was like in a kind of a multi-purpose room that you couldn't have told the difference between it was a church or it was a school or it was a conference center or whatever it was. Um, Outsider looking in would have no clue. Mm -hmm. And so um, think about it from the same way for you is that can work if the background and the setting is um, not going to be a hindrance to to what it is that you're trying to do. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So totally. Initial reaction on thinking that part through, would that work at the church? Like what's the background and the setting like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it would, you, we have some screens in the back and um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it would work. Okay. And so the also another thing like with churches is if there's a, you know, a big band, um, most golf conferences aren't going to have a band in the background. So again, you can certainly take pictures where, uh, you're not necessarily like Photoshopping out the band, but you're taking them at an angle where uh, I see Brian standing on a stage speaking to an audience. Perfect. That works. Right. And again, we're not trying to like, we're not trying to, to mislead. We're not trying to confuse. We're not trying to, uh, anything along those lines. We're just we're trying to gather some social proof that you're a speaker. This is this is what you do, and here's an example of where of of something that you've spoke at. Um, so that that's kind of the direction we're trying to head right now. Okay, cool. Um, all right. So again, next steps are trying to find something uh, that you could speak at to get some footage. Um, also, starting to begin to work on that website. Um, and again, we can we can talk more about that, uh, and then see if you can get something local where again you can get footage, but also the, the, the pictures. Um, and then also be thinking about, you know, do you want to go the company route or the personal brand route? And again, it, it could, it can change, but, um, just picking some type of path there. Okay. Got this all written down. I feel like I have some direction. I feel better than I did all of last week. So <laughs> I feel good now that I've got, got a you, path. you don't feel overwhelmed or stressed. Uh, that'll probably come in about an hour or so, but, um, again, like we've talked about, like, this is, this is simple, but it's not easy. It's still mm going to be hard work. Right. And we're, we're just getting started. This is super early stages. The, um, uh, making a decision has, uh, made the process a lot simpler and a lot smoother because now we know, okay, I, I know what to do from here and I know where to go and I know what we're looking for. Uh, so that has definitely simplified the process. And, but again, there's still, there's, there's plenty of work still to do. Yeah, no, I feel, I feel good about it. You know, I know there's a lot of work to be done and, you know, in a speaking business, I'm starting to understand that there's so much more to just getting up on stage. And even if the getting up on stage part is the part you like the best, you don't get to do that unless you do the other things. So I interviewed, um, 
uh, and that's, this interview is probably out by now, but an interview with a speaker friend of mine, Josh Sunquist. And Josh, uh, one of the things he said is that uh, I'm something to the fact that like, I'm a salesperson who happens to speak. And my job is a large percentage of my job is selling speeches and connecting with people to sell speeches. And he's like, it's no different than if you're trying to sell um, golf course memberships or tea times or golf uh, gear, you're, you're in a sales job and the deliverable is the part of the thing that we really enjoy. I get to be on stage. I get to talk, but that doesn't happen unless some of these previous steps happen first. Yeah. All right. Cool. I'm ready. All right, dude. Good job. All right, Max. All right, there you go, my friends. That was part three with Brian Elaine. We made a decision. We've got our next steps. Off we go to the races. You excited? You enjoying this? You are you wondering how this is going to play out? Me too. That's why you got to come back for part four. Don't miss next week. Like I mentioned before as well, if you would like myself and our team here at the Speaker Lab, if you'd like our help in helping you build and grow your own speaking business, help you get clear on some of these things, help you make a decision in your speaking business, I would encourage you to go to thespeakerlab.com slash apply. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash apply. There you can schedule a one-on-one call with our team. That way we can learn more about you, what your goals are for speaking and how we can best serve and support you in the process. So again, go to thespeakerlab.com slash apply. All right, my friends, that wraps up part three of this series. We will catch you next week. You're awesome.